Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh my God, they're only doing sex in the city again. This truly is the worst Merry Christmas, my motherfucking brother. Merry Christmas, Guy Montgomery. I got you the gift of episode four for and just like that. Tim, the timing couldn't be better. I like nothing more than on the 25th of December mm. unwrapping a spanking hot new high definition video of three of my best friends wandering around the town of my fourth best friend, New York City. And can I say this? You didn't fail to deliver. There was an episode. It was in my stocking. I took it out. I held it up under the light. I could see it was authentic, and I watched it. I watched it with my eyes, and I heard it with my ears, and I experienced it with my heart, and I'm so grateful to have a friend to talk about it with We've, because yes. if they didn't release them, you know, I wouldn't watch them, and if I didn't have someone to talk about them with, I don't know what I'd do with this feeling inside. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, guy. Merry Christmas to you. Um, I would first of all, I look. I suspect you're going to be on the wavelength here. There's kind of a big fucking ticket item. If, if that, hopefully, you know what I'm talking about, which was in the episode. I don't want to lead with it. But I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to talk about it. I am excited about the ramifications of what it means that it was in the episode. <laughs> but before we get to that, let's let's cover the sort of more neutral, calm ground. I would love to get a little bit of colour and context. It is literally Christmas Day in New Zealand. A stonker here in Tamaki Makoto, where I am in Auckland City. Where are you? Wow. When did you watch it? How did you watch it? Run me through. I'm in a little known place called Lake Hayes. It's a little lake in the South Island between Queenstown and Arrowtown. And it is sweltering. It's so hot. It is so so hot hot today. I'm in a closed-in studio. I'm going to sweat my dick off by the time we're done today. Yeah. I can't wait for Tim to be podcasting like a fucking Ken doll on the back end of this episode. Oh, it takes me Tim, back. I feel like this entire country is sizzling mm. like a sausage on a barbecue mm-hmm. because 
A lot of people will say they're against global warming, but every now and then there'll be a Christmas day that can turn around an entire summer. I have had a wonderful day. I am at my parents' house with my younger sister, Annie, mm-hmm. and we celebrated Christmas by going for a gorgeous walk. I believe in America, Beautiful. on the West Coast, some would call it a hike. Mm. It was about an hour and a half. It was seven and a half k's with a lot of uphill, and it was gorgeous, simply gorgeous. I've been in fine fettle all day. My spirits are high. I received this hat I'm wearing. Great hat. You can see. It's quite, look, that? I'll be on. Oh, it says Duff on it, like the bear from The Simpsons. The picture I'm getting yeah. right now is quite pixelated, um, but okay. I get the idea of the hat, and I love it. It's a corduroy hat that says, can't get enough of that wonderful duff. Who got you there, guy? That was my sisters. They know me. They know me down to the ground. Go, sisters, Montgomery, go. No Christmas day would be complete without waking up at 7.30 a.m. and thinking to myself, I don't know what the day has in store, but I do know at 5 o'clock NZT, I'm going to be talking turkey with Tim. Yes, so, yes. why not do my homework first things first so I can have a relaxing and relaxed day in the sun? So, what did I do? I rolled over, opened my laptop, logged into a streaming platform that stocks, and just like that here in New Zealand, and I just unfurled this episode straight into my eyes, hadn't had a coffee, Ooh. which was actually... A fascinating <laughs> subplot yes. in the episode. I um, Basically, I just got things started, and then I went through my day looking forward to this. I couldn't concentrate on the walk. I couldn't concentrate on my family. I couldn't concentrate on the gifts, giving or receiving. All I could think about was what will Tim make of this visual feast? And here we are. Now, before I ask you about your Christmas, there is something just to set the table for our listeners in this episode I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. The episode is called Some of My Best Friends. Episode four of And Just Like That, Some of My Best Friends. And some of my best friends are Tim Back. <laughs> but, but in this episode, all of the three remaining gals, Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda, go on a fascinating journey and unique journey to having one friend of colour yes. <laughs> in their lives. Yes. And it is. Um, I mean, just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there like a tantalising piece of listener bait before I ask you, Tim. Mm. First Christmas as a father. Mm. I don't know if you've been hosting, but I know you're in your this home. A, I know you've got some family in Auckland. Strange sequence of events that you've laid out at the at the start of this episode. Uh, Christmas, gorgeous, lovely stuff. Baby's good. We've been in lockdown, so this is among the first couple of times that my parents have have gotten to meet. We Remy, so it's been very, very nice. Uh, my uncle was lovely enough to host us and put on a fantastic spread. Mm. All your proteins, mm. all your veggies, <laughs> all cooked to perfection. Wow. Fantastic stuff. It's a lot of protein and vegetables, it, all of them? Yes, every single one. <laughs> can you imagine it? Then it was on I the table. It's too much food. If you can dream it. must it, have been it a pretty there. long table. It, it, was, uh, it was a long Christmas. Um, yeah. But, I mean, my God, so... You've already mentioned a couple of big ticket items. Number one, uh, one of the early themes 
Look, when you were, when you were writing literature, um, you were writing for the screen, for the cinema, for the stage, novelizations, what have you. You've got to have themes, and one of the themes of this episode is we're in New York, baby, and we drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. It is unmissable, it is unmistakable, it is yet another breadcrumb on the trail that Mattress Pikelet has left for Timsel and Geitel mm-hmm. as they navigate their way to Carrie Bradshaw's gingerbread house. <laughs> she is Now, who's the witch? Is Carrie the witch or is Mattress Pikelet the witch? I think they're in cahoots, mm. but I mean this... Whole episode starts with a bunch of people who are pretty much saying, "Hey, don't freaking talk to me till I had my morning coffee." I gotta have my coffee. <laughs> it is crazy. There's so many, so many stuff. mentions of coffee. I don't know why they decided that. Especially like have it in the whole show, but just to introduce well, it into this, it was like they freaked out and they were like, "Oh man, we've got some awkward conversations about race relations coming up soon." So uh, let's start them off easy. Of all, let's talk yeah. Java. Well, you know what I say, Tim. I always say first adulting. No, first coffee and then adulting. That's what I always say. And, like, it's crazy, isn't it? Because everyone's drinking coffee. Mm. They're talking coffee. You're seeing coffee. You can almost smell the coffee through the screen. Mm. But we're sitting at home and we're thinking to ourselves, where the fuck is New York City's (laughs) most famous coffee drinker? And lo and behold, let's not bury the lead any longer. Guy... Coffee guy is fucking back. <laughs> and he's not just back. He is new and improved. He is dapper as hell. He's got a three-piece suit. He's wearing a beautiful tie. And this time, his coffee is a little too hot for him. So he's got to keep blowing on it. And we see him do it a bunch. And he's reading a newspaper. And he refuses to use the saucer. And I was so fucking elated to see him, I thought I was going to scream. So he brought me... So this scene happens at 15, 30 minutes and 15 seconds... Duration into this episode. If you want to bookmark it and have a look at what we're talking about, the scene started playing out. Um, I don't even know who the fuck is talking. Is this with Miranda having a coffee with someone? Charlotte. On it. Wait, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Uh, dude, I have to pause you. Yeah. I didn't see him. <laughs> I love it. I didn't see. I didn't see the guy. I thought. I thought. Here's what I thought. There's so much coffee at the start of this episode. They're setting up the episode, sure, but mostly they're they're ordering, they're making, they're drinking coffee. Miranda, famously anti-pot Miranda, who's just had this crazy experience at one of the worst comedy gigs of her life, is uh, stoned stoned to the bone in her kitchen, just staring down her coffee machine while it slowly drip-feeds coffee you know, coffee into the into the pot and Brady and his girlfriend come in and they give her shit for being a stoner and I fucking love it. But the episode keeps going and then Co- Carrie, who's at her um, old place, mm. gets out her old mocha master and starts well, trying to make a coffee. And, and, and doesn't remember how. The few nods to the old school as well. She's wearing, I believe, the iconic dress from the original intro, right? Mm. From the TV show where she gets I, sprayed with the bus or it's at least like a heavy nod to it. It's an homage, yes. And she goes back to... I'm assuming a quite iconic um, uh, bodega that is at her old apartment, which I assume, I'm guessing, plays a big role in the TV series. That's right. But the the um, 
I'm sorry, while I talk to you, I'm also just lining up. I need to catch up to you, you in do, terms of knowing exactly where our guys. Yeah. But the thing is, before she goes to the bodega, she goes because she's in her old apartment, she's in her outfit, and she's lining up a um a coffee and she puts her mocha master in and this thing's fucking it's like a babbling brook. It's bubbling, it's troubling, it's spewing forth ground down beans and boiling water all over her, her countertop. And I couldn't help but think to myself is the spirit of coffee guy not trapped in this machine? That's what I thought. And I watched the episode being like the ghost of coffee guy. He might not be visible, sure, but he's present. And then here I am, ready to talk to you. And you tell me that 30 minutes and 15 yeah. seconds yeah. into the famous episode, some of my best friends, yes. our hero makes return. So set the table, Tim. I'm going to catch up in real time. I'm actually, I've got the timestamp. Literally, I'm at the cafe. I could, I could tell you everything Coffee Guy is wearing. Can't even remember who's talking, who the main character is okay. in the conversation. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who's in conversation. It's Charlotte. And it's terrible, actually. I don't know her name. Uh, but it's her, it's her friend, her very powerful and beautiful black friend, who she is absolutely in fear of, sort of alienating or, um, or <laughs> she's basically Charlotte lives in fear of anyone knowing what she's actually like. And uh, currently, this friend is top of the pops. She's at the very top of the list of people she doesn't want to see her as she is. And they're out at a coffee shop, and they're in conversation. And Tim, you continue to tell me what happens. As I actually watch what happens. Uh, well, I think I've listed all the main stuff, but we have got a upgraded okay. version of Coffee Guy who is like if the Coffee Guy that we know from Sex in the City 2 has stumbled into not just quite a lot of money, but a whole lot of style. He is elegant, dressed to the nines, and situated center of frame during this conversation yeah. to the point where yes. when this happened on screen, Zoe yelled out at me because the baby was doing something really cute that she wanted me to see, and fair play to her, Remy was being adorable. <laughs> but I said to her, well, I've got news too. Coffee guy is back, and I'm pretty sure this is a direct attack at Guy and I. Like, it, it is inescapable. The distinct possibility that Mattress Parklet King has listened to the podcast, knows what we're up to, and is throwing these things in for us. Okay, I've I I there are there, as I said, there are too many breadcrumbs at this point for it to be uh, just a coincidence. I've watched it, and basically, in terms of uh, development of age and perhaps fortune, everything checks out. Yes. This guy. Silver Fox, slicked back hair, three-piece suit, oh, fuck. business paper in front of him, I, coffee in hand. Yeah. He's calling over the same waitress twice for reasons that we don't know. Presumably, the coffee's not hot enough. Well, hold on, hold on, hey. hold on. Before you go any further into, like, developing these questions, I mean, it sort of is just, it's, it's, it's begging for a little something, a little... A little butter, but 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 Mm. You've got to assume he's feeling good. Oh, yeah. The one complaint he has is this thing isn't scalding hot. Hey, madam, I can still feel my tongue. <laughs> Fix it! Madam. <laughs> he's up to his eyeballs in the stock market. Yeah. 
He's um, probably, honestly, I've been to a cafe to work. And uh, it doesn't matter what your deadline is. It doesn't matter how hard you're trying to concentrate. If there are two people having a deeply personal or like what seems to be an intimate or an opening up of emotion and conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't concentrate because you just – it's like, you know, we've got these internally calibrated radio stations which are tuned to internal monologue or what's happening just over there. And, you know, you've got to assume – He's trying to work through it, but he can't. He can't put his coffee cup down. Yeah. The guy, I just watched him. The guy literally cannot separate his fingers from the the uh, the stem or what's it? The handle of the mug. Mm. It's not a stem. I think he's he's not. He's blowing on it as a sort of uh, cover because he's trying to tune in on what they're talking about. And um, it is Charlotte, right? In that scene, there's a few. There's, there's a lot of conversations in this episode. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> I've literally just watched it. Um, yeah. By the way, um, conversation. Mm. Yeah, that's currently the fifth frame. Yes, that's correct. Um, Charlotte is so like most of this episode. Honestly, most of this episode is Charlotte grappling with the fact that she doesn't have a diverse enough friend group, and she freaks out when she is. Is she initially going? She's going to host the dinner, or she's just going to someone? Basically, yeah. She's hosting so, one, I think. Her friend, who she's on the like school board alongside and they they get along famously um but uh she gets invited no yeah charlotte invites her around for dinner and then has to put on like a big show of it because that's what high society people do they don't have enough problems so they have to invent problems and these invented problems for high society people are i must impress my other anxious rich friends who also don't have real problems with an amazing dinner and if i fail at this task my life's over. It sounds trivial to recount it, but you've got to appreciate these problems are as real as any of the problems anyone else in the world faces because this is literally all they know. They cannot fathom a life in which they have to worry about anything more than having exactly the right balance of friends and exactly the right dinner party. Or this school friend... This friend of a child who attends school alongside Charlotte's kids may remain just that. Mm-hmm. She might not penetrate the second tier of friendship, mm. which is a friend friend. And as Charlotte sort of, the friend flippantly she says, oh, we've got to hang out outside of this context. I'm actually free in two nights. What about Thursday? And Charlotte says, Thursday's great. <laughs> And then we watch her well, scramble. And the scrambling is so weird because the spanner in the works to the Thursday night dinner is that she's just booked Runkle in for a colonoscopy <laughs> on Friday morning. Runkle, like pretty- Runkle's, get, Runkle's getting a pretty tidy run in yeah, this season. He is. And They're not wasting their chance. I wrote down a note for Runkle, and that is uh, in this episode, Runkle really displays himself as a man who has learnt the value of shutting the hell up. Just head down, doing what he's told, keeping everyone happy. Oh, he does his he, homework. Yeah, he's like, he, and you'd have to. I mean, I, look, I don't want to, um, no one knows what goes on inside of another person's relationship. Like, you could look at your friends, you think are the happiest in the world, and, and you just don't, you know, like, you know what you see, but no one knows the intimate details. But you've got to imagine to maintain this happy, you know, and seemingly functional marriage with Charlotte that Runkle has has become an absolute master 
and grinning and bearing it because Charlotte, there are points in this episode where I'm like, Charlotte is going to drive everyone in her life away from her. She is such like, she's so obsessed with how she's perceived. Yeah. She's so, she's so controlling about the image she broadcasts. It looks like one of the least relaxing ways to live your life. Mm imaginable it's it's exhausting to be in proximity to even from behind the fourth wall and Runkle just fucking ponies up and takes it and he actually had what has to be the greatest moment not just of this episode but of the season so far so on their way to this dinner party it turns out Charlotte can't host the dinner party the friend can't make it on that night for whatever reason but as a counter she says why don't you come to my husband's birthday we'll have a great time and Charlotte says, yeah, okay. And she's aware that she's going to a black person's dinner party. And so, you know, that, of course, means she has to educate herself. And- <laughs> yeah, and it's taken until now of spending an entire adult lifetime living in New York City, working in the art scene, for her to go, oh, fuck, African-Americans yeah. exist. God damn it, I forgot. Yeah. So yeah, she has to cram it. like some sort of physics student that missed all the readings and has a test the next day has to catch up on like 50 years of black history and current and literature. I, I will say this, you know, that is a that is a lifelong blind spot. But to her credit, she fucking ponies up and does her work. <laughs> And she even dispatches Runkle a couple of articles to just cast an eye over to yeah. make sure he's good to go. She gives him the and Cliff so, Notes version of like, okay, yeah. this this magazine article references all the authors you can name drop, so just yeah. read this and you'll be okay. And he does. And they're riding in the elevator up, and she's like, did you read the article? And he's like, yeah. She's like, okay, name three... <laughs> So it's so good. It's like he's wearing a band T-shirt which says "I read black literature." Yeah. She's like, "Oh yeah, you read black literature? Name three black authors." And he says, "Sadie Smith." And Charlotte says, "No, no, it's Zadie Smith." And he goes, "Okay." Anyway, so we just have that in the back of our mind. They go into this dinner party, oh, well, and while hold, hold Charlotte, on, hold on, because he sets it up in the lift. So he, because he gets, he's like, "Oh, oh he does." Can't, yeah. can't I just say I read Michelle Obama's book and. I I have so much time for Runkle's approach to life, which is like, can't I just live my life Ex- yes. as myself yeah. and face whatever the consequences <laughs> of that may be? Like, oh, honestly, the truth shall set you free. And the refusal to engage with that idiom is what traps Charlotte in this fucking self-made prison of self-flagellation, which is not dissimilar to the situation we're in on Christmas Day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Je suis Charlotte. <laughs> yes. But so they're at the dinner party and there's not a white guest to be seen. Charlotte and Runkle represent the entirety of the white community and they're nervous. And Char- you know, there's a there's an irony that Charlotte sees or believes in, which is, you know, here she was worrying that there'd be no, you know, other diverse guests at her dinner party, and yet she represents diversity at the dinner party she's gone to. And they're sitting around they're shooting the breeze. Well, well, I, I'm sorry to keep it. I really do apologize for interjecting, no, no, no. but I know I, you watched this I think this it's morning. Impor- I think it's important to get the details it's right. It's just this was a moment that gave me, I mean, if I bought a little bit more into the show, and they're doing a not bad job in this episode with a few aspects of getting buy-in from the old Timbo, but she opens by walking in and bowling up to a random woman and being like, hey, Gwen, yeah. I haven't seen you in ages since your son, um, you know, was at school with my daughter. And then she's like, that isn't me, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, and it just goes back to Charlotte to like show her face. I was like, if we have to stay in this moment, 
Because I kind of, I did feel that a little bit. I've got what I would describe as like moderate facial blindness. Um, mm. I've been in situations that are sort of walking up to this point in my life where I've mistaken. I've done, I've, I've done it in my life. Yeah, I've mistaken people for other people and like opened up a conversational vein, but I know to not trust my memory enough to keep things pretty vague at the outset, yeah. have a big wide funnel <laughs> until I can figure out like with confidence that I'm talking to the person I think I am. Um, so she bowls in with a strong offer. It's a swing and a miss, and it's one of those she, ones yeah. that just breaks your heart to see. It's it's a classic mistake, mm. and it's um, it's a trap that this show and this season continues to set for our heroes, which is um, well, when it comes to you know the modern matters of race and sexuality and gender, these gals can be clumsy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's nothing more humanizing than that. Yeah, that's true. Aside from watching them be clumsy. Some in multi-million dollar environments. We're, we're walking down the path to get to your favourite moment with Runkle. Yes. And so she has this moment and then they're all sitting around the dinner table. And actually, again, Tim, you might need to – I mean, I assume you know what I'm talking about, but you might need to help me set it up, which is basically the conversation's all flowing and Runkle is not relaxed. It is said at some point after the dinner that it was observed he sweated through his suit. And to be fair, that's because Charlotte put him so heavily under the pump. He did not have permission to be himself. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically at one point there's a, is it, there's a moment of familial tension between Charlotte's friend and her domineering mother-in-law, who we've met in a previous episode. Who, who was referenced earlier as being the reason the original dinner couldn't happen because she last minute threw it on her daughter-in-law that she was going to take her to the opera. So this is yes. this this cloud is sort of looming in the episode. This mother-in-law of Charlotte's friend, and uh, she what does she say? She says she says I, I, I'm actually I actually Tim I've just written down the line and I've written down Runkle with perfect comedy delivery, but I cannot remember precisely <laughs> you the want opportunity. The sh- I can't remember the opportunity the show serves him to deliver the lead up is okay well i could it's it's kind of long actually so i'll try and keep this as short as possible but basically the mother-in-law says uh cottons onto the fact that charlotte is somewhat interested or knowledgeable about art we know (laughs) um sort of from the tv show and by we i mean guy and myself that charlotte charlotte york used to run a art gallery in new york city i mean so we've, you know, it's referenced in the movie, but we do not regard the TV show as canon. So <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. you know, we don't know for a fact. Apparently. It's been said. It's been referenced. It's not in, been seen. It's been referenced in what we know to be the key texts, which are Sex and the City, the movie, and Sex and the City 2, the movie. So um, she says, oh, my favorite art is Art Smith. This is the mother-in-law talking. And, and that's a bit of a joke because Art Smith is the financial advisor for the family. And, right. uh, and, and she goes on to say, um, my daughter-in-law has spent more on uh, these prints that you see around the wall than my husband and I spent uh, on our first home in North Carolina. And then Charlotte says, well, I cannot speak to the property prices in the Carolinas, but, and then proceeds to go around individually naming all of the um, fantastic photographers that have taken these amazing shots, their storied careers, referencing that it is a fantastic investment that her daughter-in-law has made. She, yeah, and she pretty much delivers a bibliography on the art hanging off the wall. The final piece of which is a photo that has been taken by the person who took the, for, the first, I think, White House portrait of Michelle Obama. Painted. Oh, sorry. It's yes, a photo. Yeah. It painted the first portrait of Michelle Obama. And uh, so... 
everyone. Oh, no, that, that's actually not the line. But oh, yeah, at that point, <laughs> there's a painting of the portrait of Michelle Obama, and Runkle goes, "I love that book." And you feel like elation that he finally gets to it experience kills. life in his own skin at the table. But my favorite line was, I think it's before Charlotte sort of uh, parries back and saves her, her friend's ass. It's when the, the mother-in-law sets up some incredible tension and Runkle, just trying to cut through this moment, goes, anyone read the new Zadie Smith book? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's perfect. He's so out of his element, but he's just like following the script he's been given to a T. Yeah. And like, you just know if anyone says yes and, you know, he's returns fucked. conversational service, he's absolutely <laughs> fucked. But he doesn't care. Like, he's just a, he's just a good guy. Yeah. Um, it, it, but God, God almighty, like, it's just a joy to see him get, being given a bit to do yeah. because he is. And it sounds badly that we're watching in just like that and favoring, you know, these ancillary male characters. But if you spent as much time with these gals as we did, you would understand this is not no, gender. I think at this point, this is- there's, there's, there's enough, like, even by osmosis, just absorbing random headlines of, like, you know, Atlantic articles and think pieces written by Vox. You know that there's a bad woman and it's okay to I, know that. I've, I've not engaged with any, like I cannot wait until we finish the season to see what people who are a lot smarter than us thought about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but all I could think this whole episode was like, how in the, not, not just like, well, I mean, first of all, like how did they ever think that a television show built around these sorts of, you know, conversations and moments could ever you know, be parlayed into a movie. <laughs> but then, you know, more than that, how did they make those two movies last five fucking hours? Because it is all, I mean, and, you know, like in the hands of brilliant creators, any tiny moment can be extrapolated. And, you know, like you could watch a movie which is just one one moment in two people's lives. And if it was told correctly or, you know, or do you, do, effectively do you know what or comes movingly, to mind? Um, the Sunset series with Uma Thurman yeah. and Ethan Hawke. Like, that's kind of a, a conversational... It's and one, there's more than one, one of those movies, I think. There's yeah. at it's, least two, maybe yeah, three. Before, I think before Sunrise at First, there's two people who meet incidentally and just have this incredible connection. They wander the streets and they're just talking, getting to know each other. And it's truly like, it's it's a beautiful piece of filmmaking. And this is just like, I mean, they've had so many bites of the apple here. You know, it's it's very American that if there's still money to be made out of a franchise, we do not be, need to be precious about people's relationship to it or where it stands in the cultural pantheon. Because I can see, you know, $400 million inside of Carrie Bradshaw. And so it doesn't matter how painful it will be for everyone involved, but I'm going to get it out of so her. This is, and this is a cat. The picture that you're painting for me is it's like, we have to smash a piggy bank, which is your heart to get all the money out. That is what it feels like. Like I could not have empathized more with Kim Cattrall when watching this episode than being like, I'm so, it's episode four. It's an eight episode season, I think. I'm so fucking tired of following a grieving Carrie Bradshaw around like this gilded version of New York. Mm. I could give a fuck. I could care less. And sh- I mean, Carrie's, Carrie's got her own burgeoning friendship with a person of color to enjoy in this episode. Kim Cattrall, and not Samantha the character, but Kim Cattrall the actor is, for my money, the actual hero of And Just Like That. 
because to have the foresight of of knowing just how diabolical this was going to be and get offered what I imagine would be a not insignificant amount of money. And, you know, Kim Cattrall has cemented herself. She is like the Sean Connery of Sex and City. She's cemented herself so much in this role that really you can't, you know, if she pops up as something else, oh, Samantha from Sex and City's being this person. And yet she still had the solid enough head on her shoulders to go, not worth it, not doing it. And she was completely right. Um, yeah. Can I throw a completely different thing in the mix here, Guy, if I may? Wish you would. What the fuck is going on with Peloton? Because it gets mentioned a lot to the point where I would have put money on the fact that it was a product placement, except I'm proliferally aware that I, I think there might be some legal action brewing because the first episode, Big dies on a Peloton and their share price went down like mm. by quite a bit. And they were very angry about but this. And how quickly do how quickly the world moves because they then released an ad. I think Ryan Reynolds made that. He's because he did so Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the voiceover artist for it. If you notice, he does the narration. And he, Ryan Reynolds has got like a telecommunications company now called Mint Mobile. He's got his own gin brand called Aviation. And the dude is actually kind of like an entrepreneurial marketer who's just really good looking and good at acting. So I think that I I don't know this, but I think that Ryan Reynolds like got on the phone to a bunch of people because he's he's got enough a list power to just get it done. And yeah. got Chris Noth, got the ad, got it produced, got it up, did the voicing, got it to air. Um, of course, what we now know is that, like, fucking 36 hours later, those horrific uh, stories started coming out about Chris Noth from The Younger Woman. So the whole thing has just been an absolute car crash of a situation. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is because, yeah, from Peloton's perspective, it's like, you fucked us. Yep. And then Ryan Reynolds comes along. He's like, okay, we can make something out of it's this. Right, right. I've got and an idea. I've do, got an idea. We'll put Chris Noth in the air yeah. and bring him back and heavily and associate like, okay. him in a positive way with your yeah. brand. And then you go, you could not have fucked us. And just like worse. that. Ryan yeah. Reynolds fucked Peloton. And then, so, yeah, and just like that, Peloton is taking legal action against the Sex in the City universe, yeah. which is so good. Like, you know, this intersection of worlds. I actually, but like, you know, it, I just, it, 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 lots of people say the word Peloton in the episode. And then Carrie, her apartment is being done. So she's decided to sell her and Big's apartment because it's too painful. So, in, yeah, introduce real tall character Seema, a woman of. Carrie's age, who is loudly and proudly single and knows what she wants and does some of the most sensational walking while acting I've seen. She's being shown around Carrie Bradshaw's apartment and every scene it's like watching her rehearse a play. Oh, She's it's like, it's like just, the best episode of The West Wing you'll ever see. It's like they actually need to get live sports camera people in to film <laughs> Seema's scenes because of the pace at which she's moving across they, they the camera the, and through these rooms. The greatest camera operators from the NFL to follow this woman. Seema, which, by the way, means boundary in Hindi, which is funny because she doesn't have any. Her words, yeah. not mine. But, yeah, so Carrie's trying to sell her apartment through Seema because she's just decided she's going to park the whole, you know, my husband died in their experience and move on with her life. Yeah. And as you were saying, Tim, Seema is uh, the walking around it. Yeah. Like, she's like, you even played the gorgeous, Sims? gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone loaded up a, a saved state of the Sims that someone else worked real hard on and just deleted all of the furniture and uh, trappings and pieces inside the house. 
Um, so it's just this beige, wall-to-wall beige experience so that potential buyers can come in and put their own vision on the place. <laughs> but then <laughs> it's kind of fucking crazy. Walk, like, opens the closet door and the only item that's in there is just a Peloton front and center, which is the thing that killed Big. And I, like, this is after the word Peloton, which is trademarked, as this I is, understand yeah, there it. Was, there it's was, been said there, half a dozen times. There was a conversation between them when they're walking around and Seema's like, okay, I love what you've done with this room. It's got to go. Love what you've done with this room. Got to go. You know, buyers are like dogs. They're fucking idiots. They need to see something empty so they can transpose their life on top of it. Carrie's like, oh, it seems pretty tricky, but okay. And signs off. And they're walking around and they walk into the wardrobe bathroom area, which is famous from Sex in the City too. And like, uh, you know, the the wardrobe and bathroom that is uh, an ensuite to Big and Carrie's bedroom is like, it's the size of basically any normal apartment, maybe larger than any normal apartment in New York City. It is absurd. And Seema says, this is the first place I think I've ever had where I could take a photo of the bathroom and it would sell the apartment. And she's looking and she's looking. Carrie's obviously gotten rid of the Peloton because of all the awful memories it brings back. And Seema says, do you know what would really pull focus in this room? (laughs) A Peloton. And it's like... No one in their right mind would think no. Like the 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 last thing the room is missing is a fucking exercise yeah. bike. Yeah, it's out of like, nowhere. It, it it doesn't look good. It looks like shit, and it ruins the room. But Seema, this realtor, is like, you know what? This needs copyright protected intellectual property. Yeah, there exactly. It was like the the Suzanne Summers book in the um second movie. It's just like, what why does Rick is, fucking talking about this? How much? What money is the is relationship? What yeah. is the relationship? It's a hard thing to try and get our head around. But um, at any rate, so it gets mentioned a bunch, and then Carrie's like, I don't know about a Peloton. And then later on, she's on the phone to Miranda, walking around her ba- her now completely deleted apartment, and she's like, I gotta go. There's a fucking Peloton here. I'm gonna bounce. And she takes Big, who was cremated, which I thought was interesting, not buried. I guess more people are doing that now. Um, and then bounces and what goes back you to the apartment. Probably get cremated. What will you do? I get cremated before before or after the service. Mm, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that one. Might suss I out my go, will now that I've got a kid. I'm thinking about that. Yeah. I want to go open casket. I want to get roasted by Tim Bat, mm. and then I want my ass to get burned. Yeah, that's pretty sick. That's a good sequence of events. We can all pay our last respects to your sort of yeah. earthly. I want the I, I want the walkout music at my funeral to be. I heard somebody say, "Burn, baby, burn, <laughs> disco inferno, burn, baby, burn." <laughs> oh man, we really do talk about our own death a lot on different podcast projects, don't we? <laughs> Um, what does it say about our project? I don't know. Stanford Blatch is gone, baby. Yeah, which is sad because he died in real life after this was The wrapped. episode is dedicated to Willie Garson, who play, famously played Stanford Blatch across the uh, span of the show. Mm. And it is just another example. And uh, in fact, we could dedicate this podcast to Willie Garson because I wish he seems like a fantastic guy. Yeah. This one does go out to Willie, but it's just a further example of... And just like that, like it's crazy. Well, hold on. Intru- let me let me telegram okay. what happened. So, yes, please. Carrie stumbles upon a note that I think is in her old apartment that Stanford left for her, um, and it says, "Hey, I've gone to Japan." And then uh, she rings Anthony up, and she's like, "The fuck's going on?" And then he comes over, and uh, it, 
Stanford in the show now has just bounced, gone to Japan to manage a TikTok star. TikTok star. Okay. I didn't even realize yep. he was a talent agent at any point. <laughs> and he's asked for a divorce from Anthony. Yeah. Who, like, is... I mean, he's he's a bit of a handful, but I do love every scene we spend with Anthony at his hot fellas. He's bakery. awesome, man. Anthony's like, because we got no Steve in this episode. We didn't get a goddamn lick of Steve in this episode. Yeah. Very grateful for Brady up top um, and very grateful for and Anthony. We, we do keep getting a bit of wrinkle, but yeah. That's true. Basically... Stanford writes a note that says, hey, you know, introduces like several new things at once. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I've gone to Tokyo to manage this TikTok star. Also, and TikTok exists in this universe and yeah, I'm a talent agent. Like this show does not how to address the absence of its actors. Yeah. Like it's the same way they did Samantha Dirty. It's just like, and I understand that they would have been, like this would have been a shock to everyone involved in the production. It would have been devastating. Like, you know, they lost one of their one of their core players mm. during production. And I don't know how you incorporate that into a season-long story arc, more specifically into an episode where you might have had, you know, uh, things, things to do which, you know, dictated what would happen. But surely you can do better than just a guy writing a note that says, I'm in Japan, see you never. Yeah. Like, it's fucking crazy. Can I ask you a question, though, as a person uniquely positioned, perhaps the only other person on Earth who could um, have the requisite experience to go with me on this. Carrie reads the letter and then says to Anthony, who does he think he is with this note? The lost Bronte sister? Hasn't, hasn't that joke been used in one of the movies? It has. And haven't they got the... You're like, haven't they, as actors, got the knowledge that we have as audience members, which are... There's a reason that Stanford is not in this episode, and that's because his actor has died. No, 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 like, you're wrong. That's not the case. The, the whole season had wrapped, and then Willie died. This is ha- what? this is coincidence. I'm pretty sure because he died very no, recently. Feels- he died really recently. They should. I don't. It's- I don't think they were still shooting. That, I mean, it's a great question for the train spotters because it felt so. Oh, shit, abrupt. Maybe. Oh no. Maybe you're right. I'm just looking at some I, Hollywood it, Reporter headlines. It, to me, it absolutely reeks of having to incorporate a a a death of a performer oh, yeah, into no, the yeah. rest of a season. Oh, which well, is why this I'm is like- awful. Yeah, it's an absolute balls up, and to you to recycle the same Bronte sister joke, and like, you know, the the thing is that when they're recording this and when we're watching it, they know that we know the reason that the actor has the character's gone to Japan is because the actor has died. Yeah, and so to like offhandedly dismiss it as like, who does he think he is? The lost Bronte sister? Jeez, I hope no one watched Sex in the City too recently. <laughs> And then be like, he's in Japan. But also, it's not just, only not only I hope no one's watched the movie recently, I hope no one's a fan of that character or actor who's portrayed him for 25 years. Yeah. Because and it's so disrespectful. To offhandly do that and then have the fucking gall, the temerity to dedicate the entire episode to Willie. I mean, and look, to be fair, I don't want to doubt the love that everyone involved in the production has for Willie Garson yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he did a great job. But I just think, Total fucking balls up. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We've had so much fun discussing this, Tim. We haven't left ourselves much rum, runway to discuss a few things that are important to me that I think should be addressed before we get out of here. Go on. Uh, namely, I mean, this ties in pretty neatly with um, my favorite and least favorite characters for the episode. Mm-hmm. My favorite this episode, Miranda. It's good to have her back full force. She goes out for a meal with her law professor, Nia Wallace. We know they got off to a rocky start. Uh, and she really, really advertises her wares as a friend and a listener. She doesn't put any of her own stuff forward. She just sits there and, like, honestly, it was inspiring. It was a real model, like one of the few models – and bastions of friendship that we've seen in the show so far. Nia is talking about her experience with IVF mm-hmm. and the fears she's having as uh, as a woman who doesn't know necessarily whether she wants to to be a mum or to have a child while she's going through all of the rigmarole of you know trying to uh, you know trying to ensure that it happens. And Miranda just sits back. She does some incredible listening. She doesn't offer advice. She's like she crushes it on completely. A, she's on a hate- scale of Carrie Bradshaw to George Lazenby, how good is the listening? She's one peg down from Lazenby. It's a masterclass, and you cannot see her boner in a single one of the frames. <laughs> it is honestly incredible. Uh, and that actually dovetails in with my least favorite character, and this is uh, uh, this is petty, but what are you going to do? You can be petty. Uh, it's the Miranda and Nia go to this restaurant, um, and they're waiting. There's a scene of them waiting to eat. And as they're standing there in front of the front desk with the maitre d' standing behind it looking at an iPad, they're waiting and two people leave. And Miranda's like, that guy with the straw hat, those people came in after, that guy in the straw hat leaving with the doggy bag, they arrived after us. And I'm watching that and I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Who would arrive at a restaurant and wait for so long that another person's entire dining experience could take place. Like, not just wait for that long, but wait for that long without any information. And that leads me to my least favorite person, which is the maitre d', who is admittedly Ah. Nia Wallace. She made the booking, but she made it for the corresponding restaurant in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that mistake is on her. 
But the refusal to engage with their issue at all on arrival and then in the 40 minutes that follow it while they just patiently stand in front of his table or his, you know, his service station and be like, what is going on here? Are we going to get to eat? Uh, I just thought that's just, you know, and a lot of these hip eateries, you know, people, and it's, it's you know, I've worked in hospitality. I understand it's their right to feel about the customers however they do, but I just thought it was it was bad. It was There was a bad attitude. It was a bad customer service experience, and it's what stayed with me. Didn't like it. Least favorite character in the universe for this episode. Good on you, Guy. I think that speaks volumes about your experience in the hospitality industry and also your commitment to customer service and make sure, uh, making sure that everyone's having a good time around you. So I do love that. Um, I would say uh, least favorite because I don't know who that is. Let me figure this out. Um, probably already named Carrie. I think I did, or maybe the first one. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's trick. Oh, okay. Well, fuck it. I'll, I'll bestow this honor upon him. That fucking Guy Fieri looking dude who's a partner there in. I wrote down Guy Fieri light as well. Do you know it's not his apartment? He's just a, re- oh, a he very just a wealthy. Dude? Recently divorced guy looking for something to buy. Okay, this guy, pretty cool, but I'll give him worst character award for this episode. He was a dog. He was a dog. He's a dirty he very, dog. He's gross. He, very, he's, he tries to seduce Carrie at an open home by saying, shall we check out the bedroom? Yeah. And he's got a, ba- he's got oh, a really I forgot dark that line. energy. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, he definitely deserves worst, uh, worst character award. But, I mean, like, it's just you know, it's I, good to have a fun, confident villain I, in some of this. Dude, so. I couldn't agree more, and I, he was on the he was on the line for me. He could have easily been favorite character yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's a fucking deplorable guy. But yeah. I'm like, at least he's living honestly. He's fun. He, yeah, that's what it's about, isn't it? He's true to himself. Um, my favorite character is Herbert. Who's Herbert? I hear you ask. Well, that is the husband of Lisa, who is Charlotte's black friend, who is hosting the dinner, and Herbert is just <laughs> like this. He strikes me as as a intensely um, conciliatory man who can get any group of people together and whatever beef may be above the surface or bubbling away under the surface, he can just get a group of people to gel and have a good time together. I watched him. I liked what he was doing on screen, and I thought to myself, that guy looks so familiar. Is he in Hamilton? And then I thought to myself, have I just done the same thing that Charlotte did and and totally misremembered like who he is and got him confused with someone and then I looked him up and I'm happy to report that Herbert portrayed by Christopher Jackson is indeed uh George Washington from the original Broadway run of Lin Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. So shit yeah. A fantastic singer and actor in musical theater and, and a great character in this show. Herbert, yet, we salute ye. Yet another breadcrumb in Mattress Pikelet's fucking you know, breadcrumb trail for the boys. Who is you know? Who are we v- vaguely affiliated? <laughs> who was in sex? Who was in sex in the city too? <laughs> Lin Manuel. I've just got before we go. I've got a few uh, bullet points to I mean, get through. Look, I just want to say this though. Coffee guy is is in a realm of his own. Obviously, he's my favorite character, but that's well, a whole other universe. Is, I mean. The evidence is stacking up beyond belief that he knows we're out here. I know, bro. And I hope he's watching along. Uh, I'd like to say the following things. I really like, there's a classy touch, Todd Rundgren, Rundgren, who big references his favorite musician and is uh, played on their record player in episode one. There is uh, a new instrumental arrangement of the song, uh, 
It's important to me that you know you're free. I can't remember what the name. Fuck, I can't remember the name. Of, but there's a, there's an instrumental version of that song playing in the apartment when Carrie first walks through it again in this episode. Also, I don't remember if I said this, but that song is sampled in an Erica Badu song, and Erica Badu is playing in Sex in the City when, when cook, uh, they're having when, the Osso uh, Booko dinner. Big cooks like the tomatoes. It all it all fucking it all connects up. Yeah. Uh, what else have I got here? I've got Carrie wore a hat that rivals her ridiculous uh, Hades Queen of Darkness hat to the big gay wedding mm. at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, after she sees the murderous Peloton, it was absurd. It's a flat hat. It's not quite a beret. It looks like the biggest bird in the world has taken a massive shit on the middle of her head. And she's just rolled with it. It was a disaster. Uh, well, while, while we're rattling things off, and it looks like maybe you've got one or two other points to make, um, I'll just throw this in. Love that smoking cigs is back. Uh, oh, there's yeah. no getting around this. Crushing a dart just looks cool on screen. Sorry, everybody. It just does. It's yeah. an inescapable S- truth. Seam is on the darts and carries on the darts too, and there's nothing else to love about that. Rocco, Seema's driver, appears to be played by Jeremy Strong. Yes. A.K.A. Thank you. Thank Kendall, you. thanks. From Succession. Saw it, then, thought uh, it, saw him again, thought it again. So happy to hear you say it. Uncredited role. Uh, <laughs> either, like, it's hard to say whether or not this is my favorite or least favorite person in the show, but in Mattress Pikelet's sort of um, desperate diversity casting attempts in this season of Sex and the City, he has cast a social media manager at the podcast that Carrie works in a wheelchair who just, like, she's got one scene, which is basically fucking putting everyone in front of her on blast. Yeah. And well, she keeps is, telling Carrie that her social media is a dead body, a corpse. A, it is lifeless. And everyone else is yeah. Bobby Lee's like, uh, call it with the recently deceased chat. But it's like, it's a very, very clearly throwaway ancillary character who they've, you know, they've, they've cast the net wide and either hats off or, you know, nose tip to Mattress Pikelet for, I guess, engaging with the modern world on his terms. Uh, Charlotte's off the deep end. I've got... Miranda's still uh, on the source, unabated. Yeah, Ma- Miranda's still on the source. Uh, no, I, I mean, we, do you know what? We've pretty much got it all. Seema and Carrie, there's a beautiful moment at the end where uh, Carrie accuses Seema of being insensitive, and I'd say Carrie's pretty out of line. When she does it and Seema's like, okay, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, but also you are insensitive. And Carrie, we get to see a rare moment of self-reflection from Carrie where it actually connects with her as a person, which was pretty incredible. There was one other I thing wonder, I, like, I wanted to say. Yeah, we're, we're closing off here. But there's a couple moments, and they think I think they all involve Seema, where Carrie Bradshaw is put on the back foot. That's where this character should live all the time. It's where she is, her her most charming is when she has a quip to disarm a situation that has sort of gotten away from her. Like Mm. when she's walking around, Seema is this um, super confident, very efficient real estate agent who's like, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's got to go. This is pretty heartbreaking stuff for a recent widow that like, you know, all of this memorabilia of her life has to go with, you know, her recently departed um, husband. And uh, and she just throws these. I can't even remember what she says, but these little. Oh, she says, "Don't touch." She says, "Seema, stop! I have something important to say. Don't touch any of my shoes." 
And then Simi looks at her and says, I totally get it. I named all my bags. This is Lorraine. And Carrie goes, eh, nice to meet you. And it's just those little moments, which I feel like is TV show Carrie Bradshaw. And I'm like, yeah. that's the fucking writer. That's the the put on the back foot. Like the that's, world's a little bit against her, Carrie. That, so what? That's they've, given her no, they've, they've given her no fun to have in this set. Like it's very difficult. None of the characters appear to be having any fun in this series. There's hope for Miranda. Because she is discovering her pot, bisexuality, and possibly bisexuality, and like you know, there's an opportunity for that to be an enjoyable plot. But basically, all of these, we're just watching. You know, these. I'm not saying that widow, being widowed is not a genuine problem, or alcoholism isn't a genuine problem. But like, we're watching like manufactured problems at the very top of an ivory tower, and it's. It's not what you want as an audience member. The thing I wanted to say, the final thing I had written down, which I, I just wanted to say, was when Charlotte's rattling off potential dinner guests to round out the group because she's nervously just hosting this dinner party. random black people she knows yeah. from her building. But before, before <laughs> she even gets to random black people, she's like naming just friends who they could have over and Runkel suggests a couple and Charlotte's like, mm, they're too vanilla. And I was just like, can you imagine being described as vanilla? By Charlotte Goldenblatt. Like, fuck me. You have got to be some white bread, crusts cut off, boring ass motherfucker well, for Charlotte to be like, that conversation is too bland for my taste. I know one man who could never be accused of falling into that trap, and that is Coffee Guy. Uh, he will be in my mind and in my heart until this next watch, and I hope I get to see him again. Um, but it's been a pleasure spending part of my Christmas day I with know. the gals and with Guy Montgomery. Aren't we some silly, silly boys? Uh, I'll just wish Truly. everybody happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, your Kwanzas, um, your Hanukkahs, your Christmases, your non-denominational celebration, your um, atheist refusal to engage with the season, your anti-consumerist buy-nothing day, um, whatever you've got, hey, Drink up, baby. Get that Java down ya. Yeah. Get energized, get anxious, and go and make some big swings on the stock market. We'll see you next time as we watch these women navigate the challenges of life inside the 1%. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.